Is it yourself? How are you getting on? Welcome to episode 9 of the Kevin Doherty podcast. My guest today is Jonathan Morrissey. I met Morrissey through mutual friends when we were teenagers in Limerick. He is authentically himself, refreshingly honest, genuinely insightful, and so goddamn funny. To this day, I count him as one of my closest friends. We talked about loads of good stuff, including the lockdown, our passion for different sports, getting obsessed with new things, and the impact of social media. If you enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you helped spread the word by recommending it to a friend or sharing it on your Instagram stories and tagging me at the Kevin Doherty podcast. Thanks for listening. How are you going on, lad? I'm good, man. Good to see you. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, it was so much fun visiting you over in uh, in Canada and Ottawa there last, was it September in 2019? Oh, get stop, man. Uh, me, I was only talking about that with uh, my partner the other day. I couldn't believe it's been almost a year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It is mind-blowing, like. We're getting there. Like, I just felt, I feel like you were just here, like and uh, it was so much fun it was it was such a great trip in general but it was class to kind of finish it off with you like as in fuck it we've been friends since probably what 15 16 i think yeah i i, I know we talked about this before but i'd say i think around 16 where i remember meeting you for the first time i think i'd heard about you before uh you know this 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 dangerous clemens lad uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then seeing you i i actually genuinely do vividly remember seeing you for the first time that's that's true no way um yeah i'll tell you so like it's not a long story at all but um i was we were at murph's house um and i think we we're going over to see someone else and crossing the road or whatever um and then one of the lads is like oh uh kev's coming down i was like oh all right okay and like you know i was with a bunch of guys from the same school you know i, I you know it's all I, that's always such a weird thing it's, it means it's a very irish thing but meeting someone from a different school is like such a big thing it's like oh What's he going to be like? It's going to be super different or whatever. Uh, and they were like, oh, here he comes. And I looked down the street, and you were a good bit away now. Um, but they were like, oh, we can tell it's him because of his walk. Everybody, everybody talks about the walk. I was doing the McGregor walk before McGregor was even a thing. It's so ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. like, as in, like, because I cannot handle myself physically, but I look like I think I can. That's half the battle, though. It is. Do you know what I mean? It is. Yeah. Especially in somewhere like where we're from, but it was just so funny because, like, because I, it's an intimidating walk. It's the walk of someone who, yeah, who like, yeah, they, if they get into a scrap, they can hold themselves. And like, no offense to any of the lads I'm talking about, they wouldn't take offense. Not really that kind of crew. You know what I mean? Yeah, not, yeah. Not, it's not the Green Street yeah. elite, like. No, no, you're not here. Yeah, I could see them in West Side Story, like. Um, <laughs> but then see you come down. I was like, holy shit, this is like. And then that, I don't know, is, it, is that a thing when we were growing up? You were like the, were you the tough one of the group? Maybe you weren't. Or were you, were you the kind of the, maybe you were. Um, Jeez, that's saying something if I was the fucking tough one. Uh, <laughs> maybe I was a little bit of a, a ringleader for certain things. Like if we were going drinking or something, I might be the ones to, in, to instigate something. But, jeez, uh, if I was the tough one again, that's, <laughs> I, like, I would have classed Shane as the tough one in terms of, he has the softest walk in the world 
he looks a little bit soft, but fuck me. If you mess <laughs> exactly. around with Shane. Yeah, yeah. I remember, um, I can't remember what this was, but I remember being in um, up the road and like, you know, you know, the little uh, patch of grass that was up near where, you know, the boys lived. Um, and like us just, because obviously, you know, we annoy, annoy Shane so much, like uh, even though everyone loves him, you still annoy him because he just re- would react so quickly. Yeah. Um, but I remember then him finally losing it with all three of us and then easily handling the three of us. Do you know what I mean? Like put, pushing one of us down on the ground, then putting his knee on someone else. And you're like, you're the same age as this lad, but he's like Robocop. He has freak strength. There's just something about it. Um, and as well, like Shane, Shane comes from the tougher part of Limerick. Like, you know what I mean? There's, there's something about growing up there. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to have your wits about it, right? So I think you just, and then of course he started hitting the gym way younger than most of us, I'd say. Like much younger. And then wife beaters and then got that tattoo and Jesus. All went from there, like. I suppose the last time we properly chatted face to face was when you were home for Christmas. Yeah. Oh man, Jesus. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a thing. We, I was I was talking to my my own my mom about that the other day, um, because well, for people listening, they wouldn't know this. But the last time I was home uh, from Canada, uh, I got violently sick. Like I was like, and it's it's tough because the year before I was sick again, uh, just by just by chance. I had like well, I had a science infection, so I couldn't fly. Like the doctor was like, oh, you can fly, but if it, you know, your ear pops or bursts due to the pressure, you could deaf your, you know, deafen yourself. And I was like, that's obviously not worth that. And then, yeah, we, we had a great chat that night. Like it's you, so you much saved, fun. Yeah. You saved the trip for me, man, because I hadn't, you were the only person I saw that wasn't my, my own family. And like, I love my family, obviously, but I was just sick the whole time. I just had like this, vi- oh man, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so bad as well. Like, because, uh, if you if you're like an expat and you're living away you the, your expectations of christmas are so insurmountably high before you come home and then even yeah. not just to have like a baseline of fun just to be violently sick it's it's a grim time it, it was it was off man i came back and i was in a, i was in a funk for it for a while like till, like honestly till about february i really was because you're right it's the longer away from home you are like i go back more frequently sure now than i did a few years ago but the longer you are away the bigger coming home is do you mean time or do you mean distance or both oh time like time like the distance is weird man since we moved from toronto to ottawa which isn't any impact on the distance really from uh from ireland um but i felt closer to home since i moved here i don't know why it's a smaller city um i think i've had more people visit me here in ottawa than when i was in toronto um but yeah man the every year that goes by with every christmas it just feels like such a big deal coming home and you put so much pressure on yourself to make sure you have the best time possible. You just set yourself up for failure every time. right? It is a tough one. Um, how are you dealing with the new normal? Because as we're talking now, like you were talking about uh, how you couldn't fly whatever 5,000 kilometers home. Now you can't leave your house by five kilometers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it's a bit different here. And like I've been speaking to my parents, so I kind of have a rough idea what it's like with you guys because you, you just got moved from two kilometers to five kilometers. Right? Like, yeah, 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 huge. That, that's crazy to Canadians. Um, Like I was telling people here about that and Canada's huge, right? It's just like like Ontario, which is the province I live in now, is bigger than Ireland. Um, So, and I, man, what's even crazier is I, I was supposed to fly to Vancouver 
um, uh, like back in February for work and I, I couldn't. Um, but my flight to Vancouver was longer than my flight back to Ireland. So like th this country, which is crazy, this country is so, so big um, that the idea of having a two or five kilometer. It's <laughs> laughable. Yeah, it's 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 impossible to please and people wouldn't put up with it. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, the new norm, man, I like I know I'm still working and stuff. So that's been kind of kind of normal. Um, but also, I you know, when it comes to working remote, I'm not very good at it. Um, I find it hard to separate the idea of, you know, having an office space or whatever from my actual house. And I f I've been finding it really hard to kind of switch off like after four or five p.m. Yeah. Like I, I seem to be going back, checking an email, going on Slack or something like that. Um, but I know, but as well, what's kind of cool, man? It sounds like Ireland are, are doing it right, though. It sounds like Ireland seems to really be ahead of it compared to a lot of places. Yeah, I think the things that we've implemented so far are working in terms of our reproduction rate. Looks quite healthy at the moment. I'm just curious, how long will people put up with having severe restrictions on their life? And if we get to a certain point, so let's say our approach seems to be a phased approach of every three weeks there should be new sort of things granted and the big issue is if we have a bit of a a setback what will it do to people mentally i hear you because there seems to be two kind of there's like two extreme camps right now it seems when it can anyway where there's the one camp who aren't really listening to the restrictions at all so the idea, like, so even if there's updates, there's a big new, you know, now you can, now for example, you can go to garden centers, was the big new thing last week. Um, they opened them. Um, there's that camp, they don't care. They're already, they're, like, I know a bunch of people I work with even who are like, oh man, this is so silly. It's a, it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, why are they being so over the top? There's that camp. And then the other camp um, are people who are like, who are so, who who might never go back to normal now, who are yeah. just going to be so scared of the virus that's, they won't, you know, live a normal life anymore. Like when we were, we were visiting. Um, it's Mother's Day here, uh, in Canada, and we were visiting my partner's uh, mom. Um, and she was saying there's people in her neighborhood who are wearing like full, like gas mask, almost has, you know, hazmat suits, walking yeah. around the neighborhood. Um, like they might not go back to normal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, from my perspective, I think Ireland's initial reaction was the smartest thing we could have done mainly because of our our icu capacity wouldn't have been able to withstand a huge barrage like when you were seeing and like i was freaked out by the numbers when you saw what was happening in italy what you saw happen in spain but then the other side of it which is very strange is we're locked down at the moment and again i think it was a good idea initially to lock down just to see what the kind of current state of play is but then you look at a country like Sweden where they have just kind of invoked a policy of keep physically distancing from people, which apparently is much easier for Swedish people to do because they're a little bit more maybe socially awkward or socially distant anyway. So Scandinavia is kind of laughing, but they have one of the best healthcare systems in the world. So they're judging everything by if they do get overrun then they can start to clamp down a little bit more. So it's 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 kind of hard to see where the balance is because while, yes, I think this is a... And, like, it's such a weird thing as well because 
you nearly feel a little bit um a little bit weird saying that you're enjoying the time you know what i mean because some people are going through terrible things and some people have lost their jobs and have no sorts of income but it's it's been a nice kind of break from the norm and i think for a lot of people you've just been kind of going through your life for the last few years on momentum and this has forced people to stop in a sense so you can kind of reevaluate everything your relationships your professional life and you kind of get a, a greater sense of what's important to you i suppose yeah no i just couldn't agree with you more man um and it's funny as well when you kind of look at us that both the countries that me and you live in have kind of had that similar kind of approach and you know and it's worked pretty well but both the neighboring countries have done things a little bit differently yeah. and you see how kind of control it is there um and then just come back to the sweden thing my, my brother lives there right he, he, yeah. you know, he lives in Stockholm. um whenever we, whenever i chat to him over skype or something like that and like i've got this crazy beard you know right now and like i haven't left the house much i'm getting like super pale ted um, kaczynski shit <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm a shoe bomber um <laughs> but he, i was like how was your day today and he's like oh i just just came from a restaurant me and me and anna just went for food i'm like what i really he's like, yeah like nothing has changed the only thing he but he has said it, it is getting a bit scary though because Sweden right now, and things might change, but Sweden right now has the worst infected to death rate um, of any major country in Europe. So, can you explain that? So basically, it seems that um, people are getting infected about at the same rate as other countries. Like it doesn't seem to be much higher, much lower, but more people are dying, which is really, really fascinating. So it's kind of, but so the reason they say that's happening is, and this is it, and that statement is true if you don't look at the age brackets. Um, basically, my brother's explaining to me, he says, like, that elderly people aren't being encouraged really to stay at home. So they're still out and about. He's like, you, you still see them in restaurants, see them in bars, see them, like, he went to see a movie the other night. Um, I can't remember what the movie was, but he said it was mostly an older crowd. Um, and so obviously that's why, you know, those who are getting infected, they're the ones who are going to die, which is really, really scary and, and really, really sad. But to your point about, yeah, like, I know we were talking about this earlier. I have kind of enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've... I've I've started doing things maybe I didn't have time to do before. Like I I bought a guitar, but I'd say literally I bought a guitar about five years ago, and it's been through four or five different moves at me. Um, <laughs> like moving house, I've never played it. Like I've literally no. I've and this is a true story. I used to get lessons off a guy in Ottawa, really nice guy. Like I can't, can't I'm not going to say his name now because I, if he listens to this, he thinks I'm a dick. Um, but I, I did like three lessons with him. It was going kind of well. We were doing Neil Young stuff. I was like, all right, I like Neil Young. It's pretty, really, pretty cool. Um, and then he's like, um, so I'll give you a call and we'll, we'll book the the fourth one. I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's kind of a bit odd. I, I was the one who'd been doing the bookings. He's like, I'll give you a call. So a week goes by and like he doesn't call me. I don't hear from him. I mean, that's kind of weird. I'm like, maybe something happened to him or something like that. And so I check his Instagram and no, he's like put up stories and like him with like, you know, students. So I end up calling him anyway because like my partner's like, just do it. Like just call him. Maybe he forgot bunch of uh students so i call him and i came like, hey, man like, like i haven't heard from you in like almost two weeks you know i'd love to book a book a fourth one it's like yeah like man you're a really really nice guy but I, no i just can't i can't do it like i was like what, what do you mean he's like i just i think you need to spend a bit of time doing it yourself before before coming to get instructed by someone like me whoa <laughs> Yeah, man, it hit me so hard i didn't pick up the thing for almost i'd say two years i didn't go near it because i was just like man am i that like literally a guy who on, i swear to god on his website 
He says all levels. And there's like photos of him with no children. No asterisks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently I was just so inept at learning the guitar. He was just like, and he was an older dude. So he's probably been doing it for literally decades. And he's like, he finally kind of met his, his big whale. He's like, I can't, no, I can't, this guy can't learn the guitar. So I just stopped. Um, but uh, like I've done, I've gone, I've done, I'd love to know you doing this as well. I've gone like bought a couple of master class classes. Have you done those? What are they? Oh man! So master classes, um, it's kind, of, it's like online learning. It's kind of like Udemy or all those dozens of other ones. But the thing is, it's really well funded, um, and it's like celebrity endorsed almost. So you can do things like learn how to uh, write a book uh, by Neil Gaiman. Um, or learn how to direct uh, direct a movie by literally Martin Scorsese. Um, and they're, 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 some of them are expensive. They can be like 100 or a couple hundred or 10, 20 bucks, whatever. Um, but I was doing like some guitar ones, got me really into it. But you'd love it, man. Because there's a whole, there's, like if you can think of a thing you can learn and a famous person attached to it, it they're on Masterclass. That's fascinating. And it's through Udemy, you, you, you do it, is it? Uh, so there's a few different ones. There's like Udemy, um, Brain stations, a bunch of different online portals. Masterclass is its own separate like app and thing, um, but the production values are like through the roof. So like okay. even the videos you're watching are really well done, uh, really well lit, really well staged. Um, and then there's like loads of resources with them. They're they're like they're very addictive. And so, are you just doing one on guitar, or are you doing a few different ones? Sure, man, like this is gonna you're gonna resonate with this so much. Like I I've been getting a lot. I have this problem where um, I'm, I'm getting to like a mindset where I have to have like really efficient days or like I have to go to bed now and say, wow, I really did something today. Yeah. Add in a hard walk and that's me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. Same hair, just more of a beard. Um, but my problem is since this all happened, so I went into quarantine, I kind of made a list to myself. I was like, oh, I'm going to get back into photography and learn guitar. I'm going to you know, work out way more. I'm going to eat better, all this stuff. But you just end up creating expectations. Yeah. So now every day I go, right, I have to take 40 photos. I have to learn the song by 2 p.m. Then I have to make a low calorie meal, go for a run, come back. It, it, so you, what you do is you, just, you create too much. You yeah. can't get to it all. It's like, it's like the corona won't get you. Stress will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I told you earlier, I literally, I'm 31 now. Um, I have proper gray in my beard. But today was the first day I noticed like proper gray hairs inside of my head. Uh, and I, I don't think, I don't know, maybe it's an Irish thing, but I don't really ever think about getting old or anything like that. But since this happened, man, I've, it's been kind of, I've been, been like been focused on my own, my own mortality more and more. Yeah, it's, it's like um, this whole situation has kind of nearly slapped everybody in the face with how important health is and where you are in terms of your health journey in life and it gives you a little bit of a a chance to reevaluate okay what's going well what's not but it's it's been a shock that has taken every single person by surprise and hopefully this sort of a crazy situation will make people start to reevaluate certain things i know i definitely have yeah no i i totally agree because like it's weird like once this all ends or whatever you even define ending as i'm guaranteed to hear loads of stories of like that first time when you heard someone who died that you either knew or knew through someone else yeah. from covid and like 
the reason I'm saying that is I had a buddy whose whose friend passed away only a couple months, like a month ago, I think, from it. He was 34. And so then you're like, geez, I'm you know, I'm 34 very, very soon. And like you, you yeah. think you, you attach 34 to being young and healthy. That's just in your mind. You think, you know, they're young, they're probably healthy, they're out there, whatever. But this got to them. And so like I don't want to put myself in a position where, you know, I can't get through it or I can't get over it, even though I do think I've already had it, which is another, which is a... a when thing. do you think? So I, we... Were you patient zero in December? <laughs> well, it was when I, <laughs> when I came back from Wuhan, I really felt, <laughs> I really been feeling, really feeling ill. Um, it was weird, actually. I was reading a book yesterday. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. Sorry, I'm all over the place. But um, what's the name of the book? It was by an Ottawa author. Um, but it was, uh, there was a whole chapter set in Wuhan, which really freaks me out. Um, but anyway, uh, so we were at a birthday party in Toronto back in January. Um, and it was like maybe 12 people there or whatever. And we went off and did roller, like roller derby or roller skating. Uh, it, not as anywhere near as fun as it probably doesn't already sound. Um, <laughs> you couldn't drink when you got there. I'm not saying that drinking is such an Irish thing to say now, but you'd already had a few drinks. And then we got an Uber there and it was just waiting in line. You were like sober, just kind of skating. It was, like, what it was a strange ordeal. Like, Yeah, yeah, just very, very odd. Um, but anyway, we came back home and uh, a few days later, all 12 of those people got really, really sick. Um, now, I only got a bit of a mild flu. It wasn't terrible. But my partner, like Steph, was the sickest I've ever seen. Her. Just like knocked dead for a week. Um my buddy whose birthday was and his next door neighbor who came uh, they both ended up going to the hospital just very briefly yeah. and they were diagnosed with strep throat. um but like anything they were given didn't get them over it they were like out of basically out of work for almost 10 days um and they were like the sickest they've ever been and then literally uh, i'd say that was around the time where it was it was noticeable in wuhan so you were seeing it in the news but not over on our side of the pond um but now looking back in it like shit was that was that it but then you can only put the pieces together when you're a few months after it and you can kind of look back and go all right maybe that was that and we won't understand how weird this whole thing is until we're five years down the line what i found very strange is how quickly people accept the new normal because if you had told me in december kevman uh march 17th in dublin there'll be no patties there and you will be locked in your house for the foreseeable future. I would have said it's not fucking possible in Ireland. It's just not. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that's because humans are very adaptable or because we just, because it's, it's because the government says we got to do this, we got to do this. Like I've been kind of thinking, because the thing is now, if the government tells us on Saturday, hey, you can go back out, right? Imagine they suddenly say, it's fine. Look, we're changing the approach or whatever go straight back out. Do you think everyone would just go back out or would people be a bit more cautious? I think this will have changed a certain percentage of people how they live. I think anybody who was a bit neurotic, a bit uh, of a germaphobe, this has just confirmed all of their uh, presuppositions. Like So, like, it's... Again, we... My kind of... My back and forth with this whole thing is... I do think it was the correct idea, given the information, to lock Ireland down and to do what we did, especially because of our ICU capacity. But then when you look at other countries and how they're doing and how we're not going to be back probably in action till September, maybe October, 
it's it's very hard to quantify the damage being done to people mentally at the moment um even in terms of people's relationships who knows what the economy is going to look like so there are all these kind of unintended consequences of locking down but at the time looking at the news and seeing this wave sweep across europe because i was i was similar to you man like when i heard about it in china it was not even in my like on my radar i i might have seen it and went whatever doesn't doesn't matter it's not europe it's it's so irrelevant to me like i never considered it all over christmas the only time when i started kind of taking the whole thing seriously was i had uh, a holiday booked in tenerife nige had a holiday booked in italy and his got cancelled and like the day i flew out maybe the day before two cases were announced in tenerife and uh, it was so it's such a weird thing looking back on it because if i had known how serious it was going to get there's no way i would have done any sort of travel but when you've invested 300 quid in a holiday you're like fuck it i'm going on a holiday i, I need a break i need a week off in the sun kit it's very weird <laughs> yeah like we, we had a we had a cruise booked like me and Steph, like we we'd like which is Again, I'm 31. I sound so old, but we're going to go on a cruise. So excited for it. So like pumped. We were so close to going because ours never actually got cancelled. Um, and then I can't remember what was the name. Of it. I can't remember the cruise ship. That, the one that got like basically stranded. They wouldn't let them dock anywhere. Um, they had to like stay out at sea. That was happening as like the days leading up to us when we were supposed to go away. But we were still like, fuck it. Like I've been looking forward to this all year. It's very um, tough to look at that situation objectively from with like outside of your own brain. It's very, very hard. And like I'm saying it as somebody who flew and just had a week in the sun and enjoyed myself and came home and then freaked out when I listened to two podcasts on that Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I sitting here now, I'm I'm like, why didn't I go? Like nothing happened on that ship. I, I checked it. I was Googling it all the time. There was no cases. Came back and was fine. Everyone had a great time, probably. Um, and here's me with no holiday. But yeah, man, like, I don't know. Like Canada's approach has been pretty good as well. Um, I think the problem here, which is why it's a thing I, I miss about Ireland quite a bit, is like Ireland's a smaller country that it's kind of like really when the country says this is the approach, the whole country kind of adapts to it. Yeah. Canada is very, it's provincially based. So, say what Quebec has done is almost completely different to what Ontario has done. So yeah. the problem is, you know, Ottawa is still, I think Ottawa this weekend had 292 new cases, which sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not. Um, but then Quebec had almost four and a half thousand. Do you know what I mean? And there's no, there's no checkpoints to block for Ontario. So people are freely moving as well, right? The weird thing is that there are a lot of, kind of similarities between that and ireland because for the 26 counties in the south we adopted one policy and the north didn't lock down like we did when we did so there's even strange rules here man where like i can't leave no like we're at, we're at the point where i can leave my house for five kilometers for exercise but only a week ago we were on two kilometers but there was some weird legal loophole where uh residents from outside the state can go through checkpoints freely so if you were from the north of ireland or you were coming on a ferry those routes into the country weren't shut down and the the guardi were powerless to stop anybody 
from moving because they only had jurisdiction over people in the 26 counties in the Republic, which is very strange. And it's kind of the old Irish, Asher, it'll be grand. Like, did you see any of the posts from, uh, there was a brilliant one um, inside in Limerick City Centre. There was like a, a two metre distance line. But when somebody measured it, it was actually one, one metre, 40 centimetres. It's like the definition of, ah, it'll be grand. Yeah, yeah. After this is enough. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, we saw, um, I was queuing up at, uh, like, a pharmacy a few weeks ago. And uh, they had the, the lines and stuff, you know, like the, the, the two-meter space or whatever. Um, and, like, we were definitely two meters behind the people, in, you know, in front of us. But then that person's husband and, like, maybe, like, I don't know, like, I don't think they were their kids. But, like, it was a like, brother or sister or something all came up as well. They all bunched up together within the, like in the two meter space. And like that's not how that works. And then we've also seen people, I don't know if you've seen them in Ireland, who have like modified their masks. Have you seen this? What do you mean? Like, there's oh man, I've seen like a couple now around Ottawa um where they're they're cutting holes in the masks where their nose or their mouth is so people can better understand them. What? And like that that yeah, that that to me is that's crazy. Like literally their mask is here. They're cutting little holes here where they can actually breathe a bit clearer. Like, sure that, what's, the, what's the fucking point of the mask then? Jesus. Oh, good lord. Uh, it'll be a great equalizer, if anything. Certain people won't. But, the thing, um, the thing I, that I kind of have to keep in mind, because at the start, I was checking the news to an unhealthy level, and it was never good news when you were watching Italy reach its peak. But the only thing that is kind of, and like Corona, COVID-19, it's not something that you want to get. But the only thing that kind of keeps me sane is that the median age of death in Ireland is 84. The average life expectancy is 80. <laughs> okay. How do I... All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. So once you get to 80, all bets are off really like. It's just, it's just trying to keep things in perspective for me because i went down a rabbit hole where i was like i was just freaking out thinking this this is something that's i think again we made the right ideas or the right moves initially but i think the hype about what coronavirus is versus what it actually is at the moment because we can only judge it at the moment it's not what we thought it would be, but I think it's a very, very good test run for the next big pandemic or the next wave of this. Because if you look at something like Spanish flu back in 1918, it was the second wave that did most of the damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, like, dude, you could talk about this for hours and like the, the crazy thing is like we're, we're living through a piece of history right now and people are going to like dissect this and talk about this for generations, yeah. which is fascinating. Um, I heard someone say on the radio, and I don't know if I in entirely agree with the statement, but I understand what he was trying to say. He was like, this is like the 9-11 for younger generations. Because, and like, there's a bit of truth to it, because I remember I remember being really young when 9-11 happened, like, well, we were like maybe 11 or 12, I think. Um, and like the world just changed, like instantly. Every, like fly Suddenly, you know, flights, it was, it was so much harder to get through security, lockdown, everything changed. You know, the idea of the, the terrorist attack. Um, this is going to have the same effect. Like for for gen for decades now, we'll talk about this and how people got through it. And you, do you remember when this happened or that happened, etc. You know, arguably this is a far bigger long term uh, 
impact because it stopped the world. I never thought, again, if you would talk to me six months ago, that the world would stop. That would be possible. It's just, it's so strange. And again, because I think people are adaptable and we've been able to adapt to this new norm, we won't really be able to get much of a sense of it until we're looking at it five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line. And you like you don't want to speak out of turn as well because I kind of go through certain days where I'm so freaked out and then certain days where I'm kind of drawing it in and it's trying to find that it's somewhere in the middle. But again, you we won't really know the impact of this or the death toll until it sort of plays itself out. Yeah, yeah, well said. Because you you were you were saying earlier about kind of good days and bad days, like that that's what how my mind works. The good days, I'm like. Oh, look, this isn't that bad. You know, we've caught this early. You know, it's crazy. It's affecting the whole world. I can't believe we're living through it, but it's going to be okay. We're, we have a vaccine in, you know, 18 months, whatever. And at the end of the day, for me, not saying for everyone, I, you know, I still have a, you know, my job, whatever, my health, you know, it's fine. And then on the bad days, you're kind of like, well, what if we don't get a vaccine? What if a vaccine takes five years? What if, you know, well, suddenly, you know, the, as you said, the second wave is way worse than the first wave. If you and that's kind of the, the idea of mental health, where, you know, if you're at home and you live alone and like have a bunch of friends who are kind of have been on their own the whole time, you know, if you're having a bad day and that, that those thoughts get into your head, that, that's dangerous. Very hard to pull yourself out of a cycle like that when it's only yeah. you. Yeah. And, and, and the, the scary thing is there's literally millions of people having those those thoughts and those fears. Like, when has that ever happened before? Um, you know, I think I, I was talking to you about this before, but um, about a month ago, I watched um, a TED talk that Bill Gates gave. Um, I think I think it was from 2011. Now I could be wrong, but it was definitely well before COVID, like years and years ago. 2015, I think. Yeah, 2015. Okay. Um, and he, his thing was like, why we're not prepared for the next pandemic? Um, and man, it's just so scary. Almost everything he says in that video rings true to today. So. If anything good comes out of it, you really hope that if this is to happen again, we'll be really well prepared. Because this isn't going to be the, you know, this is going to happen again for sure in, in another generation. But I just hope we, we learn from it really, really well. What did I say? It's like there are, there are three certainties in life, death, taxes and flu pandemics. <laughs> Man, just, just to kind of put it in context as well, before you visited in December, there was some sort of a little documentary series I was watching on Netflix a documentary came out in November 2019 and it was titled The Next Pandemic. I watched it, forgot I had watched it and then found it again after this. And I was like, it didn't even register when I watched it. And it literally, pound for pound, play by play, described what the coronavirus is. It's fucked. It, it sounds like a movie though. That's why. Because what's actually happening right now, like what's that movie? Like a movie Outbreak or Contagion that came out a few years ago. Like you look at that and you go, actually that'll never happen. Yeah. Like, you know, you'll never have something that'll spread across the world. What, what are the odds of that? And like, here we are. Whenever you look at those films as well and you think, what would I do in real life? You always picture yourself a little bit kind of as the protagonist. You're like, man, I'd be out there. I'd be fucking doing shit. You never picture that you're just locked in your house for six weeks with a shit haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to learn guitar and photography. <laughs> yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Oh, man. Stop. But like, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. You know, the good days are fine. Bad days are bad. Um. It, it is good, though, to see now, like, as we talk here, the start of May, um, 
there does seem to be light in the tunnel though it seems like that they're you know they're using restrictions here in canada for sure and you know have you bought a mask are you kind of like are you going to be like say when things are restricted in a couple of weeks you can go back outside are you going to go back outside and act normal it kind of depends how other people act as well it's you know what i mean if you like if they give the all clear and we've gotten past this you still can't hug anybody it's very it's very weird because like um there's a book I'm fascinated called uh, Tribe by Sebastian Younger, and he talks a lot about how human beings are geared towards these periods of struggle where we can all band together and it's nearly like a, a community of suffering. Because if you look at our evolutionary past, we've gone through such crazy times that we needed to be able to band together. But if you look at this situation, the things that Sebastian Younger talks about that kind of make us human or what is the human spirit, this kind of COVID situation takes away a lot of it because we can't band together. We have to stay apart. When you're walking down the street, people are wearing masks, so there's no facial cues to see if they're an enemy or a friend. And people are nearly afraid to meet other people now. So it's it's just weird, man. But again... The fact that you said there that there is light at the end of the tunnel, like one of the biggest changes for me when everything was starting to lock down was the full stoppage of all sports. And last night, finally, there was a live sports show, UFC 249. It actually felt oddly familiar to watch live sports. It was very weird because the stadium was empty. So you could hear the slap on flesh. You could hear heavyweights breathe in between rounds. It was it was very unusual, but it felt like nearly a relic of the past, which is very strange. <laughs> what was the name of the guy who fought Ferguson? I can't, I can't remember. Justin... Justin uh, Gaethje. And if you remember back, man, in, when I visited you in September... We watched a fight night. He knocked out Donald Cerrone. That's Justin Gaethje. Was that? No, no. He knocked out Cerrone. Oh, wait. Was that him? That was Justin Gaethje. Oh, you're right. So yeah, look, at, look, at, look at the way his career, because of this situation and because of opportunity and being ready, look at where he is yeah. now after last night. It's an incredible yeah. meteoric rise. Yeah, it really is. He's probably going to his fight could be next. Like you know, I know Ferguson's supposed to fight him, and that fell through. But I, I was reading this this morning that uh, he said Justin said that uh, I think it was at the end of the second round he could hear Joe Rogan uh, and the commentary, uh, and he started to adapt his actual fighting style and moves he was doing because of what Joe was saying. No Joe way. was saying things like, "Oh, he's caught in the inside here, or whatever," or he's not. I think it was like with leg kicks or something. He's not blocking them early enough, and he's like. I could hear that. And so I started to readjust what I was doing as, you know, went into the third round. It was always hilarious, but I I thought, I only saw... For me watching it, like, it was... um, When I sent you on my predictions there last night, I thought Gaethje might do it, but I thought he only had a one or two round opportunity to try and knock Ferguson out. And as soon as that second round finished and Ferguson clipped him with that uppercut... I was looking at it and going, okay, he had a good, like, he looked very, very good for two rounds for 10 minutes, but you are now going to see Tony Ferguson do what Tony Ferguson does to people and break their will in the last 
three rounds. But it was such an impressive, disciplined performance, and I was I was shocked by it. But I I really do think now that Khabib has a bit of an issue with this guy because unlike Khabib, this guy can fucking crack. And really the big thing is that Khabib's going to try and take you down, but Gaethje is a really, really high-level wrestler. Even though he doesn't take down people, which is very strange, his takedown defense must be good, and he'll be, he'll be sort of geared towards fighting Khabib now, so he can kind of ramp up his wrestling, but keep his fucking lethal leg kicks. And, f- like, his, his power is crazy, as in, like, the shots Ferguson were taking was it was especially without the crowd you could hear the force in them very weird yeah and like ferguson big points to ferguson was like he's just an animal he just he was walking into them as well so he's just eating them yeah. and just moving on and on and on but like yeah i like people say khabib isn't a massive hitter i don't know like in the, i know that mcgregor has a pretty weak chin but in, in that in that fight he absolutely caught mcgregor like he caught McGregor batting was it the the second was it the first round or the second round he caught him like flush so I I don't man like Khabib's the only guy I've ever seen in UFC really maybe maybe what's that what's that heavyweight's uh, name I always forget his name the guy who's been in trouble for drugs about ten times over John Jones John Jones yeah uh, him and Khabib are the only two guys I'm just like they just terrify me like Khabib is just an absolute animal and again it's like the recency bias is fucking with me because i just watched geishi last night so i'm like oh this is the guy and like b- like 24 hours before that i was looking at tony as this is the guy do you know what i mean it's always the guy the last fella you saw so i'm very very like if i watch another khabib fight i'll be like oh yeah there's a reason he's 28 and all <laughs> yeah exactly you'd be reminded but man ufc is one of the few sports maybe the only sport i can think of like that where there really, there is never really a person who's completely invincible. Do you know what I mean there's always going to be one style that they're not okay, you know, to go up against? Um, like you look at boxing, you, you know, like in boxing, like for example, like you have dozens of boxers who've had completely perfect records. They retire with like you know fifty no whatever whatever. UFC, Khabib's the only person I can name off the top of my head who's a champion right now who has a perfect record. Like it, it's just not a thing that happens in UFC so much, I guess, because the the different types of styles are, are are so different. There's only there's only one other person, like John Jones, because that disqualification shouldn't really have been a disqualification. But Khabib doesn't have the the history of failed drug tests. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, he's that's he's, he's the only he's the only squeaky clean. Uh, like even you look at like GSP who's like one of the best in the game. He has two losses. Fair enough, he came back and got retribution for those losses. But Khabib is where he is because of his skill set. And it's like he dictates where the fight takes place. If he wants to take you down, I haven't seen anybody who can defend that. Oh, it's scary, man. He's a boa constrictor. Like, and he, the thing is, you, you especially in the McGregor fight, because I, I, knew, I knew McGregor was never going to win that. Like, I, I love the man. I get nervous during the fights. You know, for all his failings and all the bullshit he does, I still love him. And he's, his story is incredible. Every time he went down on the mat with Khabib, I was I was literally just like, I couldn't watch. I was like, he's done now. Because you just see him do it, man. He crawls all over you. Um, and he just pulls the air out of your lungs. He breaks your will. He, oh, yeah, exactly. But I think, I think me and you were talking about it, where it was behind the scenes, and they were talking about what he actually does is, 
that a lot of wrestlers don't do is he's just consistently putting his entire body weight on top of you in whatever position you're in and he's just squeezing the the actual air out of you you can't recover so you can't recover exactly so even if you're and you saw it a few times where gregor would try and you know move himself to prop himself up against the ring um, or the cage um it wasn't working because khabib was just pushing him into the cage even further man he's he terrifies me like just yeah. I, I hate the fact that he exists and like that place <laughs> in the world that he comes from dagestan it's it's so bizarre how many world-class wrestlers are now starting to kind of emerge and enter into the ufc it's 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 one of those where I, I think Khabib is on Ramadan now, so I don't know when he's actually going to fight again. But it does look like a really, really exciting fight because Gaethje wants to get in there and crack. And regardless, you can't see it being a, a kind of a, a weird contest. Like the last time that I was just disappointed because my expectations of the fight were so ludicrous was... Uh, did you see Stylebender Romero maybe about two months ago? I, I saw the highlights. I didn't see it live, but yeah, I saw. Yeah, you say highlights. What? Like that's such a strange term for for looking at that, isn't it? <laughs> it was kind of like most of the video was the walking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. But that's why, like, I don't know. That's why. Like, so I, I've been to I went, I've been to one UFC event when it came to Toronto a, a few years ago, and I was super super excited to watch the cowboy fight who by the way surely is going to retire now um at, at this point um but i was so i can't remember who was fighting because it, it wasn't a big uh, big card or anything like that but it ended in the first round you know what i mean and like I, I get that's great that's awesome it's amazing but when you're as a spectator which really brings you back to why we watch the sport man it's kind of messed up you're like oh no i wanted to see these guys really go at each other for five yeah. rounds well well, that's kind of fucked up. Like, it, it brings you back to kind of the idea of, you know, the gladiator kind of games and stuff like that, you know, the bang for kind of blood. It's very primitive. And that mob mentality when you're in one of those MMA events is is very strange. Like you you get sucked in, especially especially if the atmosphere and maybe the the quality of the competitors is such that the crowd is very invested. Like um, I went to bellator event maybe two or three months ago sometime anyway in dublin and while some of the fights were interesting some of the fights just didn't really grasp the audience and the craziest fight was one that broke out in the audience you know what i mean (laughs) it was it was the biggest like reaction from the crowd like it was it was very strange i think again i was I was expecting so much. And it, like I think it's the same with everything. Like when you go in with ludicrous expectations, expect to be disappointed. Like hundred percent. I think I think we watched it, me and you together, um, when D- uh, David Hay fought Klitschko. Years and years like that was like what, two thousand and maybe twelve, thirteen. Um, that was like hyped up to be the biggest heavyweight fight that happened in like in literally generations. Like people compared to like the rumble in the jungle and all was absolute <laughs> nonsense. That was when I walked away from that, that was like, I actually felt deflated. I felt like I'd been robbed. It, like David Hay falling over, like, he fell over like what, six, seven times? He had a broken toe or something. Oh man, so embarrassing. But then, on the flip side, and it's why I do love UFC, and I've gotten into it a lot more, and more into like basketball and stuff since I moved over here. Um, the the fight with McGregor versus Diaz, number two. That, that wow. to me, like that you again that's like from a rocky movie you know what i mean like when you look at them at the end and they're just destroyed it's like that was an incredible fight like mind-blowing 
yeah like those those wars and especially kind of when you like diaz mcgregor 2 is such a good example because there's like a narrative happening inside the fight where you see mcgregor start to fade and it looks like hope is lost gets his second wind and like that's still a fight i've watched that back a few times it, it's i probably would give three rounds to mcgregor but diaz fought such an unbelievable like it was an unbelievable fight as well like like, people argue that if you know if that had been the, you said the first fight hadn't happened and that was the first fight would would they've given it to Diaz? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But you know, I just love the fact now that at some point, hopefully, we'll get McGregor Diaz three, and that would be a great. You know, that's going to that would be hyped up because we know McGregor's fights in particular seem to have more hype around. The good thing about that fight is that it makes sense whenever you do it. You like, let's say, uh, the Khabib Connor fight only makes sense as long as Khabib is the lightweight champion the Diaz fight while I hope it happens maybe in the next 12 months it can happen whenever whenever it makes sense for the two of them it's it's so yeah. exciting like because yeah. I, I don't think it's, it's not personal between or anything like that but you're right it doesn't matter if there's a belt on the line it doesn't matter if either of them are Diaz creates one. belts yeah <laughs> I love that family, man. They're absolutely hilarious. Um, I, but, like, it's funny, though, again, kind of go back to the boxing thing, like, about, you know, how easy it is to to go from being so well-known, like, greatness, to absolutely nothing. Like, I'm not saying Cowboy was ever, like, a top-notch, really top-drawer fighter. He was a contender. What? You think? Yeah. Because he, well, he's, he's come about four. Is that his fourth loss in the room? It's definitely his third. Yeah, like, he's... It's it's very very hard to justify what even taking another three fights would do for him versus getting two bad beatings would do it's just it it doesn't and again like it, it must be the hardest thing to do as a fighter to stop fighting because it like it's your identity and it's so deeply personal it's not it's not just a normal job it's who you are you have to be that and the it's it's such a sad tale most of the time because how many fighters can you say were able to have the awareness to say my skills aren't what they were. The only the only one that I've seen so far in MMA that comes to mind very, very quickly is GSP. And he seems to be an incredibly intelligent dude, but he could still have another fight in the next 12 months. I'm not saying that he wouldn't be capable, but it's it's just seems to be such a... A repetitive narrative. Mike Tyson has started training at 52, 53? Yeah, something like that, yeah. But it's, you're right, it's it's a way of life, it's addiction. Now, I will say there's absolutely a huge financial aspect to people like that going on too far and then coming back in. Sure. But then again, look at George Foreman. George Foreman was, he was world champion in his early 50s. Do you know what I mean? Or was it, he was 48, 48, 49. Um, really? So, yeah, 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 he came back. He came back and fought again. Yeah, he came heavyweight champion, yeah. Um, in his late late early fifties, and then invented the the George Foreman grill. And we all know how, how that. Who knows? Maybe the, the like Tyson grill. Um, but I think Tyson coming back is kind of like I don't know. Like I, the reason I bring this up as well is because I've been kind of watching this great TV show that we were talking about earlier, uh, the Last Dance with, with Michael Jordan, and the idea of when you look back through history, you look at proper proper top of their game, biggest athletes in the world. You know, 
USC, the only one I, you know, GSP will definitely be there. John Jones, maybe, but again, he, he said he said he's not squeaky clean. Um, you know, Mike Tyson is up there, but again, weirdly only for the start of his career. Mm-hmm. You look at Michael and it's just like literally his entire career. There's a reason people say about other sports people or other business people or whatever field you're in. If you're the top, you're the Michael Jordan of insert whatever you are. Jordan, I see like for me, I like I think I played a little bit of basketball when I was younger, but I never got to watch it. And having the opportunity to watch this has just slapped me in the face with how fucking dominant, like the alpha of alpha males, Michael Jordan. Oh, like even just take out his, the, his, like his stats, just the points he scored, the championships he won. When the minute someone wronged him in any way, and I and he and like not getting back to him in a vindictive way at all, because it was always on the court, which I think is really really cool. Um, yeah, just he had to be number one in every single sport mini game that he played. Like I, you're right. Like when we were growing up, basketball, I suppose, like you definitely played it in PE and stuff like that, and like you know university. But I never remember there being an opportunity to watch a game. You know what I mean? I never like walk. Yeah, it was just never on TV, was it? Right. Um, so it's weird that now, retrospectively, I'm looking back and saying, dude, he was the biggest person yeah. in the world. Like, you know what I mean? In the 90s. Like, he was, and you're right, the Michael Jordan of whatever. That's what I find fascinating when you go to, like, boxing or UFC. It, you know, like, look at Anthony Joshua. Like, I thought he was going to be, you know, completely, you know, undefeated. Be regarded as probably one of the best heavyweights of all time. And then he had that absolutely crazy loss. Uh, I can't remember the Mexican guy being, I can't remember his name. Andy Ruiz. Andrew Reeves, that's it, that's it, that's it. So again, it just shows you again what Jordan did. That you know, he just he just he's above everyone. Maybe not Messi, but we'll talk about that in a minute. It's but it's very hard as well to kind of judge somebody like a Messi or Ronaldo until they finish. Jordan's career has finished, and like if you look at it as a as a a piece of work over a period of time, it's just incredible. And like. The big thing with Jordan is that if you were going to compare it to Messi and Ronaldo, there's always this constant binary debate of who, who do you prefer, Messi, Ronaldo, and it, it fluctuates throughout the years. Jordan didn't have a peer when he played. I, I think, I yeah, I mostly agree with that. I think for like the first three piece, there was no one like you, what he was trying to like emulate what like Magic Johnson had done or Bird. And Larry, Larry Bird. Um, but I do think in like the second three piece, you had Kobe, like people put Kobe Bryant in the same, the same area. Like they, they kind of do. Um, maybe, you know, the guy who's playing for the Lakers, right? What can I remember anyone's name today? Um, <laughs> what's the guy who's playing for the Cavaliers and plays for the Lakers? LeBron. LeBron, LeBron James. Um, they're saying when he's finished that he might be in the same category as well. So, but you are right. You are like, uh, when he was actively playing, there was no one near him at all. I, th- I think in terms of a competitor though, and like if you if your life was on the line, would you want Jordan or LeBron playing for your life? That's true. Yeah, that yeah, and I, that, there's even that clip in the show, man, where I think it's Scotty Pippen is talking to a receptionist, and it's when they're there for the Olympics. Um, and she he turns to the rep, he's like, "So who's going to take you know that three pointer? Who's going to take that final shot? We got to take it." And Jordan's like. <laughs> What a stupid question, you fool. And just walks away and it's like, man. Do you remember when he gives your man the ticket? And uh, he's like, uh, I don't care I don't care where it is. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, thank God. He's like, why would you thank God? He just give you a ticket. 
He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, don't leave yeah. this in. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. That's like, I mean, that's like the quote that I've I've heard attributed to Messi, which I know isn't true. Um, where it's like, yeah, is that a press conference? It's before the El Clasico. Um, and they're like, what do you think about people uh, or Cristiano Ronaldo saying that God sent him here to play football? And then apparently Messi goes, oh, I don't remember him sending him anywhere. <laughs> and it's like, he, first he probably didn't say that. If he did, it's great. But, How pithy yeah, I as well. Like. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny though, like you, because I was watching a documentary as well at the same time about Tiger Woods. Um, and he's a fascinating one to look back at as well because he probably in the 90s was, you know, the, again, the, the Michael Jordan of golf, right? Um, until he had that huge, you know, that whole fucking what sex addiction thing that went on and kind of ruined his career. Um, but Jordan just never had that kind of scandal either. Like, there's a few in the documentary, but they're not. I don't yeah. know. I don't think they, they And as well, it's like, like, let's say, fair enough, he might have had a. Uh like a fondness for gambling he never became broke like he he had more money in than was ever going out and it's like you always want to put them on such a high level that they're not even fucking human and it's like it's it's such a voyeuristic fucking thing it's like where uh tiger woods squeaky clean unbelievable at golf and everybody was just looking for something. And as soon as it happens, we're all such voyeuristic little pricks that we love it. Oh, Jordan has a gambling addiction. Love it. We, we love that nearly uh, like Greek tragedy where like the best one that I've ever seen. Have you seen that OJ documentary, OJ Made in America? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Incredible documentary. Yeah. Mind blowing. Yeah. I, I think I think as a as a documentary series, it's my favorite because it it breaks down race relations in such a way that it's so, so clear. And then you can kind of put in context what the trial of the century was at the time and how they could nearly get away with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, which, which he did. Um, <laughs> but you're right. We, yeah. Ooh, big reveal in the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. OJ's guilty. Um, but it's true, man. Like, you you're right i think but it, they kind of talk about in the documentary that they were never really doing that with jordan it kind of felt like that people wanted to believe that he was that squeaky clean mm. you know what i mean like it, it wasn't kind of like not, not the personality let's say for example do you ever hear that kind of thing where people say oh i absolutely love that footballer or that tennis player or whatever i hope they're not doing anything fucking dodgy I hope they're not taking drugs or doing something you know whatever yeah. uh, that was kind of the feeling with jordan but people like woods you were kind of like oh he's almost too perfect yeah, I mean, he's, like, he's he, almost a machine. If like yeah. one thing though, um, which I thought was quite interesting, if you look at OJ Simpson and you look at Michael Jordan, what I found really interesting was both of them, in a sense, were asked to step up to be representatives for their race in America, and OJ, OJ's take on it was nearly that he didn't see himself as a black man. He was just OJ. And then Jordan's taken it, like the line which he said on a bus, like Republicans by Jordan's too, that, that's whatever. But if you look at it from what he said in the documentary, and it's kind of, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting point if you kind of extrapolate what he meant or what he might have meant. So his whole point was that I was never a civil rights activist and... I think the best way that I can proceed is talking on the court because 
and I, I, I was trying to think about this, like, what did he actually mean? And this is hypothesizing, but he might have meant if I veer into the civil rights debate, I will alienate a certain amount of the population in America. I will alienate a certain amount of the world, maybe. But if I can show people who look at race as one of the defining metrics of who you are as a person and I can be their idol and I can show them what I can do on the court and they can fall in love with who I am and what I bring to the game, maybe I can change their mind in that way. Yeah, which is just as noble a way of doing it and just an effective way if, if it does work out. I totally agree with you. But then there's the other camp who kind of say, hey, he didn't do what Ali did. He didn't, you know, Muhammad Ali was so out there, so clearly, you know, outspoken, moved, you know, the civil rights movement so far ahead. Yeah. But then again, you do turn back like Michael Jordan's just a basketball player. You know what I mean? Like that, that he shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. But And that's, but yeah. that's the really interesting thing I, I find as well. It's like, this is only a debate when it comes to African-Americans. You've never been asked to step up for a representative of whatever you see yourself as, as an Irish person, as a white guy. It, it never, you never have to fight that battle. Whereas if you get to some point in your career where you have influence or power or whatever you want, you're nearly obliged by the general population to do something and it it's it's a debate where you can see both sides but then you look back and you see somebody like Ali who one of the greatest heavyweights of all time but superseded the sport in such a way where he like people use the word like iconic or an, he was an icon like I the word icon and the word great when you look at Ali like he was one of those deaths when it happened like it hit me oh man yeah yeah i and it, it was weird because i hadn't thought about him in a long time because he hadn't been in kind of the public eye for a very long long time i think everyone of our age and our ilk had at some point in their life gone through like a muhammad ali binge you know if you're into sports in any way at all any sport at all you've probably read about him you've watched movies about him you've watched documentaries about the you know when we were kings one of the best you're listening you haven't watched that stop don't stop what you're doing keep what keep listening to this <laughs> and then and then and then watch it afterwards here's um, a word from our sponsors Air <laughs> um but I, I yeah i don't know but then again you're right with like messi and ronaldo when they retire people won't bring in the fact that you know were they politically outspoken in whatever way etc 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 because of what they represent they're white people are privileged it's it's tough it's like he i that's why i feel like i don't think anyone should judge jordan one way or another because he didn't do it yeah he's, well, he, he's achieved so much more than 99.9 percent of people who've ever lived you know it, it shouldn't be factored in and as well i thought it was really cool that he was able to reflect on the whole thing and he was perfectly honest he was like you know all that kind of be like mike and stuff he was like if i could do it again i probably wouldn't be a role model I just play basketball. Which is fascinating. And like, you have to love that honesty as well. And it's, he's not being, selfish. he's not being selfish at all. I don't think. Um, but then, yeah, but the, he's right. Some people are just born that way. Like Ali. But then again, it's, it, I think it's different with Muhammad Ali as well, because he was growing up, he grew up with so much of it, like being drafted. It, it was kind of, he was probably forced into a corner and had to kind of 
play a hand or make a move about it. Um, but as well, he very, very quickly in his life believed in that struggle. You know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like it wasn't even a choice for Ali. He was always going to use his position to do that. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I think money is a factor as well. You know, Jordan Jordan was very, very rich very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, same with Woods. Woods had no involvement in any of that kind of stuff either. Um, I am disappointed, though. I heard, uh, was it yesterday or this morning, um, Dresden Dynamo, is the worst name for football club ever, uh, two of them just uh, got tested positive for the coronavirus. So the German league was supposed to start back up uh, on May 17th, I think. Yeah. And now that whole thing to quarantine. So they're saying that it might not start up again, which I am I'm disappointed about, but I'm also like, should we start sports again so soon? Like, yeah, it's it's it. They are and they aren't. I I think for me, like just if you look at society, once sports was taken away, you realized how important sports are. Like the funny thing in, in Ireland is that, like I really really like um off the balls coverage of football in particular, and they are still trucking even though there hasn't been a kick of a ball for months. It's really impressive and it's still engaging. But it's like you realize how sport brings people together and it gives people who might not know each other common ground to relate to each other. Yeah, it's, it's man, like, you know, I've, I've loved football since I was a small kid. Uh, I was never really good at it, but I've, I've just absolutely adored it. Um, like, I haven't played probably five aside or competitively or in any way really for a couple of years now since I think since I left Toronto and came to Ottawa Ottawa was very much like there's been two different football clubs in Ottawa since I moved here they're both you know kind of filed for bankruptcy and left <laughs> um, which is kind of um, what were their but, names can I ask I like hearing North American football team names like I like hearing uh, rural country nightclub names in Ireland yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, what's the one in Ennis called? Uh, Ennis the Queens, great. the Queens in Ennis. That's not bad. Bit strange considering the whole Republic. But my favorite one by far. This is like because I have like a a top of the pile list in my head. Kilkey, the Abyss. Where did you end up last night? The Abyss. Jesus Christ, Kilkey. Limerick two like Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, what are their names? Uh, the first one, oh, yeah, they're bad, actually. The first one were called the Ottawa Fury, um, which is bad now. Like, Ottawa Fury. Um, and Least amount of yellow game. cards in the league. Yeah, dude, they're so... Like, I'm not, like, look, I can't talk. Never played football at any kind of level, ever. But I went to about six or seven games because the, sta- the stadium is beautiful. It's like a 30,000 seater stadium. Um, they use it for Canadian football, not to be confused with American football. Similar, but a, a few differences. Um, it's a beautiful stadium. Like you know, they have like they have halftime show. They've got like drinks, all this kind of stupid nonsense. Um, but they filed for bankruptcy because no one went. Like each game had about, I'd say the the most there was ever at a game I was at had about four hundred people. Um, four hundred people in a thirty thousand seater stadium. Is the just no atmosphere? Sorry, how many at all? Four hundred people would turn up to the games. That's like the time we watched Limerick in Toma Park. Yeah, great example, perfect example. Like I will say, the only difference is that 
um, that stadium in Limerick, at least, they know their numbers aren't going to go into the thousands. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, Ottawa Fury, for some reason, there was loads of different stadiums they could take in the city. There's loads of smaller ones. They were like, no, let's go to TD, TD Place, it's called, because they're all named after banks and shit. Let's go there, 30,000 seater, oh, 400 people turned up. And, like, there'd be no atmosphere. And then, like, Canadians love by their nature. Um, very different, like, uh, supporters are very quiet. Like, they're not, like, no chants or anything like that. But this is the funny part, right? When they left, a new club came along uh, called Atletico Ottawa, right? Who are a feeder club from Atletico Madrid. No so way. I was thinking... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just like, ripping the name out of a Spanish country and fuck it, let's let's go to work. No, even like the Atletico Madrid badge is in the Atletico Ottawa badge. Oh wow! Um, but they have ultras. They literally so the the numbers haven't changed at all. It's still like maybe five hundred people now, like maybe an extra hundred people are coming along. But they have like a little stand of maybe twenty ultras who are like selling off flares and and stuff and everything like that. What was this? done by the club or is this just a, a a thing that was like natural i think i think it was just a natural byproduct of of the club now being called atletico like honestly i don't like we just went and it was like the game is the same the atmosphere is the same but then occasionally you hear drums and see a flare and you, you look down the other end of the pitch and like they're all like standing like dancing and stuff because that's one of those strange things where like, I'm not saying that they definitely did this, but if you were a North American trying to start a soccer club and you were looking at the things that make European soccer clubs what they are, you'd see the ultras in Italy and be like, oh, we got to do that. I actually, I heard, I, I, I heard a really interesting term and you've, you've probably heard it before, but it only, like, I, I love this. So let's say a natural uh, kind of movement from the bottom and from the people is obviously called the grassroots movement. Have you ever, do you do you know what the term is for uh, one that's basically created? No, an astroturf movement. Oh, it's, like, it's fake. Yeah, that's what it sense. dude. You could be a hundred percent right. Do, do you know what we'll do? Give me, when things go back to normal. I'll I'll, infil, I'll infiltrate and I'll start <laughs> to really ask questions about football and see what they're they're talking about. But yeah, man, like. Again, I love sport and it's great, but I do I, I miss I miss football. Football's different here than it is back home. It, it just is. And I, I think that's if you were to ask like the top three things I miss, that would probably be number that'd be number three. Like I, I miss talking about it. Um I miss this is gonna really arrogant now, but I mean I miss talking about it with people who know what they're talking about as well. Completely. Do you know what I mean? Like I I remember sitting down when we were watching one of the Atletico games. Sorry, Atletico Ottawa games. And like the guy beside me, every time the goalkeeper kicked the ball up the field, would be like, Oh my god, what a punt. <laughs> like, can you, can you believe how high that guy can kick that ball? And I'm like, man, what are you doing? Like, you know, but, as well, it's like um like for you, it was such a big part of your childhood following football, playing football, and like just being so into that. And whether you like it or not, you identify as a football fan and at one time a football player and it's like it's very very it's it's fucking painful sometimes to separate from that like for me i've definitely noticed uh in the last probably year or two my interest in football has decreased kind of in correlation with the amount of people i relate to about it 
yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. I remember we talked about this before as well. That which is like that, yeah. I've said this exact thing has happened to me. Unfortunately, I wish it hadn't. And I know when it started to happen was um, I forgot about the Champions League final last year. Like I, I it was which is bizarre. Like that, that should be in my calendar. I love watching them. Love any football, any Champions League football. I'm into it. I forgot I was on. Now I ended up catching the second half, but that's bizarre. And it's because. You know, I remember in the summer of 2018, I watched the World Cup final with you know, a bunch of Canadians. I'm mm-hmm. sorry if they're going to be offended, what I'm going to say now. Um, but it was tough because not like there was a there were great people. They're so so nice. They're awesome. Um, I made a few drinks. It was fun, but they're not into football. Yeah. So they kept breaking out into little talks, the table about different things. I'm like, no, I want to fucking watch. Yeah, they're not mind blowingly focused on the game. Yeah, like where I I, I haven't touched my pints because I don't know. Like, you know, I'm literally stuck to the screen. Um, so yeah, I miss a lot, man. I miss like, you know, I, I've never been a big fan of say pub culture, that kind of thing. I've never been that would go to a pub on his own and, you know, drink pints all day at the bar. But I used to love getting a few of the boys together and going and watching a game. I, like that, that, that was just good fun. And he wouldn't even talk that much. You know what I mean? Like you'd argue probably. Um, I can still remember before you left for Canada. Uh, you coming over to the house and me, you and my dad, we watched uh, El Clasico. That's like the last. That's like the last game I can remember. Definitely watching with you. An incredible game as well. Yeah, cause we did it a bit, didn't we? When I knew I was kind of when I was leaving, and like it was kind of was mainly me and you and Limerick. A lot of the lads are kind of gone, so we were, we were hanging out watching football a lot. And I even like it's so weird because Spanish football. Again, you know, the coverage is different. Sky Sports, different commentators, different setups, different start. Um, and El Clasico is like the pinnacle. And like, I, I think I remember I texted you the other day about that documentary, about the, the Barcelona documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, here and not out uh, back home just yet. Um, but El Clasico is a great example, man. Like that's just, you know, it happens three or four times a year, but it's always good. It's always enjoyable. And you like even if you're an outsider, like you didn't grow up in any of the cities, there's such kind of historical rivalry, political rivalry, economic rivalry, and two different clashes of cultures are embodied in these teams and what they represent historically. And it's just, it's fascinating because it's, it's nearly like you're watching war play out on a pitch. Nobody dies, but the players are going to war. It's incredible. Yeah, it's and and it, to your point, it's more fun watching the people you like and people you get on with. Um, you know, I do now. I will say, um, you know, for my first few years in Canada, it was very hard to watch football just just because of the job I had. I was working in bars a lot. I was up very very late. Games are much you know earlier here. Obviously, you'd have to adjust your life so much to fit in with the norm back home. It was rarely worth it, like getting up at like seven a.m. to watch United play fucking Sheffield Wednesday or something. You know what I mean? It just was like. I'll watch it later but now and this is incredible this is not me trying to sell the app here but DAZN which is like basically a, an app that came out um, last year I think the year before shows every single Premier League game like for, like for like 20 bucks a month it's unbelievable so I've actually the last 12 months or so I've watched probably more football than I ever have in my entire life but I end up I watch a lot of it just in my sitting room on my own do you know what I mean and it's just it hasn't it's, it's not the same man it's just, it's like, even when we, when we were hanging out in your house, one of the first things I think I threw on was uh, Zidane the Scientist, just that YouTube clip and just being mind blown. Fair enough, I was a little high, it's legal, 
but uh it was just so good like that's what, that's what I, I always loved as well about being able to meet up with you just to have like a, a proper discussion about football and I think what was what was strange for me growing up was that like for years and like you saw this like I had no interest like I, I just didn't it wasn't in my wheelhouse like and then probably maybe around 18 19 I started to get into it like just to kind of get more and more interested in it and then it, it's just kind of the way the way I am like personality wise I I still say it to this day like I've been obsessed with things I've never been obsessed with something as much as I have with football it like what whatever it is about football that makes it so special it captured me and my attention and I just found like I went from maybe like not even knowing who the players were to I could happily watch four or five games all day and I think what a great day like what a what a fantastic way to spend the weekend like I loved it like and like what 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 you what you learn very very quickly especially for for somebody who might not watch football or might not watch sport while what ha- what happens on the pitch is important it's the overall story and drama about players moving clubs rivalries like there's a, a, like there's so much that happens with within the sport that's off the pitch and like hearing stories from like autobiographies or like really really strong characters like um i love listening to keen Taught. like i love his perspective and i love what he is oh man i i remember so vividly because like obviously me and a bunch of lads were into football watched football and stuff like that and i can't remember the, the day or the time you started getting into it but i remember what this uh, i remember far back enough where you, you used to support manchester city i remember city were your club for a little bit do you remember that no. you, you were kind of into yeah man i remember very vividly uh, being outside your house um like kicking a ball around with, with like you know, owner or someone and you were talking about saying, yeah, City might be the club you're going to get into. And like, you know, because they were just up and coming. It kind of made sense for you at the time. And then the next time I saw you, you were like, oh, Arsenal and love. And I was like, hang on a second. Yeah, What's that yeah, to happen? Yeah. Man, you have it. It's an incredible quality, like, because you learned the history of football in the space of like six months. Like, you could, we get anyone could talk to you about anything in football and you knew what was going on. Like, if I'm talking about a World Cup from 1994. That maybe you hadn't watched something you knew just as much, if not more, than most other people. Like you have that kind of that knack of, as you said, going down the whole obsession. And like for me, I remember as well. It's one of those things where I can only really appreciate it now. Um, I would have been very, very insecure if somebody had brought up the fact that wait a minute, Kev's into football this year. You weren't into football last year. I would have been very, very self conscious of that at the time. But again, it's kind of only when I kind of look back on it now, like maybe I got into properly 18, 19, somebody who didn't play in their teenage years. I went on to coach soccer in America. Do you know what I mean? It's like if I had listened to other people's view of me, I never would have done some of the the fun things or the cool things or the things I wanted to do with my life because... I was in a box. Kev isn't into this sport. Stay in that box, Kev. Yeah, it's 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 such a I'm so glad you brought that up because it's such a sign of getting older and maturity, right? Where even the idea of saying that just sounds so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so what? Jesus, half of Ireland supports English teams. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
And it was really had a connection. Like, oh, people say, oh, I have a connection to Man United because of George Best. What, did you fucking know him? You don't. Like, <laughs> he wrote your man back in the 70s, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to say for the podcast, not my man. <laughs> uh, I'm very fatal to my father. My mother life. made Christy Moore sandwiches back in the day, but I think that's all. That's which gets brought up every Christmas, uh, which I love. Um, but you're right, man. Like I'm, I'll say right now, I'm, I'm not as, and I'm not saying not as bad. That's not the right word to use. I'm not as obsessed about things as you are, mm-hmm. which I, which I kind of wish I was, because if you harness that properly, that's a great tool. Like it, you can really it depends. It depends what you focus on, and can you stay away from things that you shouldn't focus on? And like I've fallen down fucking weird rabbit holes where I'm like, this isn't good. As long as you can kind of nearly have the the awareness of is this good for me or is this bad for me and is is it because it is like it is a it is an addictive tendency and the way I look at nearly anything I get into now it's like is this bad for me and the people around me and my future or is this a healthy addiction so I just try and focus on the healthy stuff. Again, that that's like good for you, man, because there's probably so many people out there who don't have that ability, right? And they they have the same ability to absorb knowledge or get really obsessed about something. And it's just something they shouldn't be focusing on, whether it's, I don't know, um, something political that's not right or something that's like, you know, inhumane or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, even for me lately, like just from, again, like you said, never really followed basketball, knew nothing really about it. I've been to a couple of Raptors, Toronto Raptors, which are the team in Toronto, who won the championship last year. So like they're a big team. I went to games and I was like, yeah, whatever, like you know what I mean. I was never, never really into it. Didn't know who was playing. Um, and then, but being football, I'd be so into it. But now, after watching, I've only seen like six episodes of the doc because they're like two at a time, which sucks. Two out tomorrow. Um, two out tomorrow. Yeah, which and I'll watch again. I'll watch them back to back. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll sit down at my dinner, watch them back to back, and that's it. I get depressed again for a week. Um, <laughs> But now I like I went off and bought like uh, an NBA video game. Um, I bought a basketball, which is hilarious. But I actually literally have, you know, you've been where I at, where, where I live. I have a basketball court just right here, that's actually really well maintained. You can't use it right now because of because of COVID. Um, <laughs> but I was like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be so nice just to have basketball and just like go take shots for an hour? It's lovely. You know, and like, yeah, yeah. And so it's and like I hate it's such a good thing to bring up because I. I haven't actually, I've been thinking about it a lot in, in my head, but not talking to anyone about it. It's so stupid that we put people into those boxes. Because, like, the excitement of discovering something new like that, that, that is so much history behind it, there's so much information you can you can delve into, is one of the most exciting things that can happen to you as a human being. Like, finding out a new passion or a new hobby, unbelievable. Like it's and, just, it, and people who, like, I love when I meet people maybe every six months, every 12 months, and they're into new shit. Like you can see they're actually growing and like, they're not like, what, what's the point if I'm, I'm into something when I'm 18 and I fucking hate it at 25, but I still have to keep up with it because that's what people expect. It. It's like, if you're not into it, you're not into it. Move on. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's yes. You can drop stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying, as you were saying, I'm trying to think of something that maybe I was really into when I was younger than I was into now. Um, I think when I, I used to I used to watch rugby quite a bit. It was two years of my life where I watched a lot of rugby, um, and it was around the time that I was finishing up uh, university. And like Munster were a big deal, so Munster versus Leinster was huge, and, were, and the Irish team was you know like Paul O'Connell days, you know Brian Driscoll, 
um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I just, I completely stopped. I was just like, I, I, remember, I remember vividly, I think it was the Six Nations. I remember I was going on my phone more than actually watching it. And then I was just like, do you know what? Like, rugby, it's cool, but there just isn't the kind of the level of drama sometimes that I kind of like or the, the rivalry. And maybe there is. I just don't have, haven't got the information to get it. But I've just, and for a while I felt weird because I'm from Limerick. And Limerick, and especially, and even Ireland, Ireland's so big in the rugby, and like, you know, football will always be second to rugby in 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 always be. I felt weird to to take a step back. But isn't it strange? It's like it's like they're just ideas and they're just things you're into. But it's so easy to identify with an idea of who you are. Like it's like if you oh suddenly if you don't like rugby, it like it nearly ruptures your sense of self, or it's if you had a very, very strong relationship with somebody and your bonding thing was rugby and you were going to meet up with this dude in a month's time and he's like, oh man, I can't wait to chat to you about this and this and this. You feel nearly obliged to fucking read two or three articles rather than disappoint your friend with the fucking honesty that he deserves saying, I'm not into that now, I'm into archery or whatever. Yeah, which is so dumb. Like, you think about the surface level, it's so silly, but you're right, you you suddenly feel, God, I lose friends out of this? Like, do I, am I different? Am I, like, do I dress differently now? Am I not, like, a sporty person anymore? Like, would I, do I suddenly start listening to, you know, emo or something? I don't know. You, you just need to change your whole life. But, man, like, right now in, in this house, it's just all basketball. Like, all, all, all I talk about is basketball. I, I love it. It's great. Uh, you mentioned something there a second ago about uh, social media and like during this time, I suppose, because we've such a little amount of things to do in our lives, we're probably checking social media more. I, I'd assume social media, at least maybe not use, but checking it is is probably on the rise. And like there's one like, I don't know, I have a. I have a, a whole love-hate relationship with social media because it's like people are kind of curating their lives and you're only getting this little glimpse into what is reality. It's like the ideal self versus the real self. But there's a there's a really cool quote from um, one of my favorite comedians, Mark Normand, about social media. And it's uh, social media is like looking in the fridge over and over. You know there's nothing good, but you check it so many times that eventually you start consuming things you don't even like. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, yeah, that, that's nail head there. Uh, 110%. Like I, this has probably happened to you. Have you ever done it where you've been on Instagram, you looked at something, you closed it and then you instantly. Yeah, that's, it again. that's the Insta in and Instagram. Like, you're, you're, it's, it's such, it's such a weird thing where you're on it before you even know it. Yeah, it's it's it is it it becomes just like another part of you, just an extension of yourself. It's just such habit. Um, same as you, I have like, I think it's more hate. I'll actually be honest. Like, I I think it's gotten to that point where when I first moved away, it was fantastic. Keep in touch, with, like you lads, like like, which is kind of true. Like me and you probably talk more on WhatsApp. To be fair, like I would never be kind of like checking your Instagram, your Twitter, or whatever. See what you're saying. But there were certain people out there where it was fun. You kind of felt like. I was still kind of getting information about Ireland or what's going on. And like, it was great. But then after a while, I started using it just too much. I was like posting 
again, like you say, you're creating, you're curating your life where like, I'm, you know, I'm out for a walk. Well, I better take a photo of a nice tree or something and say, staying fit today or something stupid like that. Um, so I did, I, this is like last year now, but uh, for October, um, I did a full 30 days uh, without any social media. I deleted Facebook, deleted Twitter and deleted Instagram. It was going to be really, really tough and really, really hard. And it was for the first couple of days. I found I just wasn't using my phone, by the way, which is kind of interesting. It feels like that's the main use for my phone. But after about a week, the major thing I noticed was it had no, social media had no real positive effect on my life at all. Um, you know, I was able to keep in touch with all the people I wanted to keep in touch with. That when I really think about it, people that are actually close to me and people I would want to see what they're doing or hear about what they're doing. Um, I, this is going to sound weird and maybe it's a, <laughs> an issue I have, but I got angry less, which sounds really, really Less silly, reactive. But I, I, less reactive. That's probably a better way of putting it, yeah. Because I do find I'm on Twitter and I'll see something and someone will say something that's an opinion of theirs um, and it just rubbed me up the wrong way. And it happened last week in, uh, on Facebook. Um, there was, a, unfortunately, not to bring things, but... The, the biggest mass shooting in Canada's history happened uh, about 10 days ago in, in BC. It was all over the news, noise, uh, the news here, sorry. Crazy huge. There was a guy on Facebook who was very pro-gun. Like, like, you know, I can't believe they're trying to take these guns away from me. And like, I won't say what he said exactly or who he is, but he made like some kind of fairly disparaging comments about the people who were killed. It was really bizarre. Um, first thing I thought was, well, fuck this dude. So I obviously replied back got into comments with him i got really worked up and i got angry and upset had to go for a walk outside so silly um and then afterwards i was like well i why am i connected to this person first in social media why are they in my life like if i if they lived near me or i was in school or in like a work environment would i hang out with them would i go for a beer with this person the answer was no i was like, well why am i subjecting myself to their life their thoughts their opinions um I know why, because I want to seem like I have lots of friends on Facebook. You know, you, you want to see you have a huge number of friends on Facebook. I've got a big social circle. You know, I'm having an amazing life, blah, blah, blah. Just such nonsense. So I'm thinking about doing it again. Now, I, I am kind of debating it because I think the idea of maybe doing it during COVID might not be super smart because you're kind of so removed from people already. But man, like I could talk to you about social media for, for weeks because I, I've had weird struggles with it myself where I felt I've let it become very much a part of my identity um, where there's people I only know through Instagram, which is really, really dumb. Do you know what I mean? Um, like you, I, I, I said to you before we started today, I said, oh, you've been more active on Instagram because you've never really used it. You were never yeah. really... Like for me, for me, it's like, um, it's probably, yeah, like being completely honest, it's probably only in the last few weeks since i started the podcast that like while i love doing these and the like even if nobody listened to them uh and like fuck it i've recorded them in some ways where nobody could listen to them like i've just fucked up the recording so many <laughs> times it's not even funny um i would still do these conversations like especially like man it's so good to catch up with you like through through yeah, the yeah. internet yeah it, it's amazing that in this time of like self-isolating i'm reconnecting with more people than ever and that's that's through this podcast yeah. but it's also through social media and like obviously i want people to try and spread the word and maybe get 
people to listen in and stuff like that. But what I what I very quickly realized is I, I'm putting a lot of stock in something I literally have no control over. No matter how much I devote to Instagram or whatever social media platform you want to talk about, I I'm putting so much eggs like if you if you're looking at your happiness in one basket and once once i saw how one week of trying to really i suppose focus on it made me feel i've definitely peeled that back now so i'm i'm going to try and be smart about it in terms of how how i approach it how i use it and especially how i engage with it and hopefully like how I let it make me feel because as you were saying there you you went like a month without social media and you felt better me and Nige did this uh, challenge back in January and one of the stipulations was we had to uh, we used this app called screen time where it shows you how much every day you're on your phone and we assigned arbitrary points to it but basically the person who looked at their phone less got a point one that day and <laughs> the biggest eye opener for me like it was fun to do all the other stuff and to challenge yourself and this and that but the biggest eye opener for me is the less i the less i look at my phone and the less i have my phone on me the happier i am it's 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 undeniable and it's like um maintaining relationships with people through social media you're not being authentic and you're not truly connecting like you would like, like let's say the really weird thing is we've had such a cool chat for the last whatever it is hour or so and it's like it's just the two of us but then i'm going to do this weird thing where i fucking edit it and do a little i can't stand listening to my own intros it's so cringy but then i then i'm going to <laughs> put this out for people to judge it and i can't i can't um i can't take that judgment back and use it in a healthy way because even like what i found with the first episode like and it's really really nice to get positive feedback but if you if you take all the positive feedback as real then once you start getting negative feedback you have to internalize that as well so it's for me it's all about balance but uh i know myself the less i use it the happier i am yeah and it goes back to what we were saying earlier kind of you know about obsession and getting into the right areas and putting your thoughts and your i suppose your efforts towards something right social media can absolutely be used for amazing stuff like there's no like you know we've seen all these small businesses that have been struggling you know in ottawa They've been really, really finding it hard. And then you get the odd like Canadian celebrity who will say, hey, you know, uh, this company aren't doing very, very well or this small shop isn't doing well. Go check them out. That's incredible. You know, it brings business in. That person can put food on the table, blah, 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 blah. And you can say about most things where with good intentions and, you know, the right balance and amount of it in moderation is fine. I do find though social media and like I'm kind of grouping, you know, you're, you're grouping in kind of the three, right? You know, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, and Twitter, probably. Um, I do think social media now has become such a beast. 
I don't know if it's if there's a, a healthy way to really use it anymore without the negative effects always being there. Um, like, yeah, I I remember using that screen time app as well and like checking my phone. It's like I opened Instagram 85 times today. Why is it? That's mad. Like I, I again, probably things you love, like football, basketball, whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be sports, books, whatever. Have I opened a book 85 times today? I read a great article with something I'm really interested. No, I've 85 times today. I've opened Instagram. I've swiped down for five minutes, you know, and closed it. You know, I posted a photo. It, you know, the photo got 10 likes. Does that mean it's a worse photo? Because it only got 10, you know, as opposed to 20 or 30 The weird or 50? thing is that social media, like they've designed it in such a way that plays to what we are, like, humans need and and like want social approval from the group because if you weren't part of the group or a functioning member of the group back in the day you'd be kicked out of the tribe and a lonely human is a dead human but we still have the same brains as we did 10,000 years ago 20,000 years ago but now we're living through this fucking black mirror which is it's it's a very very strange thing it is because like if you meet someone and you know, you're like, Oh, you know, did you see that video on Facebook last week? And they go, Oh, I'm not on Facebook. You kind of go, it's like oh. not drinking in Ireland. You're like, oh, all right. You, it, they instantly internalize something wrong there. You know, I'm going to, I got to be wary of that person, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking about trying it again. You know, maybe you can do it with me, but maybe co- like my, my parents are like, ah, COVID isn't the time to do it. You know, you, you can maybe need to be connected to the world, which again, is that the positive influence of it? We're all separating. We're all in our houses. Um, like it was really cool on Instagram recently. I watched um, uh, the Killers do a live set from their like individually from their own living rooms, which I thought was really really cool. It was like being in a concert live. I was like, that's so so cool. But then I'm on Twitter. Then again, and there's a lot of you know hate speech that I have to kind of put up. What you have to see, or there's a video like there, that poor that poor kid. I remember his name in, in the States recently, that young black kid who, who was shot uh, only a couple weeks, like, sorry, he was shot a couple months ago, and they only now arrested the guy who actually shot him recently. The video of him being shot was circulating social media. I'm like, Jesus, how is that in any... Like, I hate the fact that we have a tool where that can happen. For me, what's nearly a turnoff sometimes is when you see somebody live their life and when they walk into an experience, you can you can tell that they're thinking about the photo or thinking about the the way to capture it. And I like have have you ever heard of that book, the the top five regrets of the dying? They're going to have to rewrite it for our generation because I guarantee, unless we kind of look at it the same way we would as our like uh, like a really good example is you have uh, a nutritional diet like you 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 think about the things you're putting into your body but when you open up social media you're just letting whatever comes in into your mind and we don't yeah we don't seem to treat our mind the way you would look at your your diet and it's the same it's the same thing in a sense because like poor diet poor body poor social media diet it's going to impact your mind negatively and i it, it is one of those things where i think a lot of us if we do have regrets when it comes to the end it will be 
why did I spend so much of my time trying to trying to make other people who I don't really care about think that I'm living a great life? Yeah, it, dude, you've, it's and this, the crazy thing is that we talk about that kind of the comparison between the mind and the body. It's a much slippier slope with the mind because you don't have those tells. You know, with your body, if you're eating poorly, there's, there's, there's feet, there's, there's, there's tangible feedback. Your body is telling you, your mind doesn't know. You know, it's, it's experiencing at the same time with you. So you get sucked in so far, which is why, again, not a positive of COVID, but something that's kind of, or maybe just being quarantined. I've kind of, I, I really did. I told you, I went on Instagram, it's weird to say out loud, but I did go through and I, I saw, it's like, I don't know a lot of people here. I, and I, they don't know me and I even use an app to see like who followed me or who's sorry who did I follow but they didn't follow me back and I and it was a real opening I was like wow like these aren't friends they're are they social media friends what are they just random connections um and I remember you you said something to me and Nige a while back that I, I really thought about afterwards and really resonated was the older you get as I'm not being sexier but I think as a male in particular the older you get as a male the harder it is for you to build new relationships or long-lasting meaningful relationships doing that on social media isn't the way to fill that gap it, it's just not um but you know if you're on instagram you don't have a thousand followers well then why are you on instagram you know there, there's still that kind of weird kind of pressure towards it but just one example i loved about it and just to bring it back to sports and weirdly back to tiger woods again um just strange um there is a photo of him sinking a putt at the 1999 the masters um uh in the red yeah you know his red t-shirt that really iconic there's a sea of people behind him like i think like 200 people who are just watching this two foot pot that if he gets it he's one and he's incredible fast forward yeah just like actually living in the moment not giving a shit if 200 random people online have known if they experienced it or not but then i think was it in 2017 2018 where he you know he had that comeback amazing whatever the photo of him doing the pot there's, I think they, they count 187 people in the photo. 186 are taking a photo with their phone. Um, and the funny thing is the one dude they saw in it, they went after him and uh, it was Fox News did like an interview with him. And he said he just left his phone in the car. He was like, I absolutely been on it, but I left my phone in the car. So I wasn't taking it. So you're right. It's, and like, I will say there's some pros to there it. It is kind of cool. Like that, that's what I'm saying. It's more just, and like, I'm only speaking about my personal relationship with it it's like I, there's enormous benefits but it, it's a tool like if you if you use a fucking hammer incorrectly you can fucking hit yourself in the dick if you want to hang a painting you can hang a painting yeah it's very, it's very very true but i just my worry is that yeah the the you know generation what z or x but generation is, is coming up now um they won't have the hindsight of living in a world where it didn't exist. So that's what worries me about it, that. Yeah, you're right. There's pros and cons to absolutely everything. I think the cons do genuinely outweigh the pros of social media. I think long-term for, for human beings. Um, and I do worry about younger people who like say TikTok is a great example. You know, TikTok videos, um, you know, I don't know how big it is in Ireland. TikTok is huge in North America. Have you heard I've of it? I've heard of it. You yeah. Have, yeah. Um, I think I, I went on to it indirectly for about five minutes and I was like, dear God, this is like YouTube on cocaine. You could be sucked into this for five hours if you wanted. Very strange. And it, that's what's happening. 
yeah, it's very, very odd. Like the humor is very, very unusual because just generational gaps and stuff for that. But it is massive. And the idea is they're very, very short videos like Vine, you know, six seconds. I think they're longer in TikTok, but very, very short seconds. Uh, very short, short videos, I should say. So it's again back to that idea of the instant gratification where, you know, if something can't hold my attention for 10 to 15 seconds, I move on to the next thing. That's that's so bizarre. That's not the way humans should be. You should have to put in effort to really get into something. Like imagine if you were reading a book and after 15 seconds, you're like, well, that didn't grab me. You put it down. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, imagine, imagine that happened with your podcast. Imagine if your podcast in the ten, first 10, 15 seconds didn't talk about something radical or crazy and people put it down. That That's mad. But that's what social media will do to the to younger generations. It won't be really their fault. You know, it, it's just it's what they're born into and it's all they'll know. So, yeah, but no, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try and go off again. Like, so. I, honestly, I, especially with friends, like, it's not the way to truly connect. Literally looking, looking in the person's face and man, whenever you get back to, to Ireland, like, we'll have to do one of these in person because it's, this, this is like, I think I've talked about this or at least mentioned this before. I don't know if I did it on the, on the podcast, but um, like when people talk about like being spiritual, these are the kind of things that like for me raise the human spirit. Like I feel so good after I've properly connected with somebody like we have here for the last hour. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a, a completely different impact and feeling than, you know, someone sending me a text message or sending me, you know, liking my photo on Instagram. I think about them for a second and move on. It's very, very different. But that's that's also man, the scary thing about about COVID. Like, is it going to push us more? To, like, I in Canada right now, the big talk is about companies staying remote. Like my company, even they're saying, "Oh, maybe we'll 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 do a full remote thing now. Maybe that's what we're going to do." That makes me really scared because, like, I don't I don't want that. I don't want to be fully remote. I want to have, you know, people in real life. In terms of the way it's moving especially in the last 20 years with our relationship with technology at some stage it's going to be more and more symbiotic like have you ever heard that quote um human beings are the sex organs of the machine world no it's fucked is that phil kj sounds like like that yeah but um (laughs) it's it's just it's it's hard to know where it's gonna end but all we can really do is just maybe try to reassess our relationship with it the same way we would with any other thing that we're habitually doing without thinking. And that's, that's the beauty of this. Like that's the, it's not like, yes, in many ways, social media is kind of forced upon you a lot, but it's completely up to, you know, it's completely within your control, I should say, to step away from it and to to separate as well. Um, But, and I, because I haven't said this out loud, but going back to what you said, I felt so much better when I detached from it. I just felt so, so much better. So that's what people should try and do during the quarantine. It's like, I don't know, read more books, watch, you know, if I watch TV, yeah, of course, watch low TV, it's fine. But like, watch stuff you want to watch. You know, you're online. The internet is one of the, probably one of the greatest inventions or greatest tools that we've ever, ever come up with. The fact that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, someone would say, hey, what was the name of that guy who scored that winning goal in the 1996 FA Cup? You would just go, oh, I don't know. That was it. Just moved on. Now it's like, I'll Google that. Give me one second. Because you, you have like the world information at your fingertips, which I think will make us smarter as time goes on. But I don't know. I think you're right. We won't know how this is going to affect humanity 
and yeah, for a long time. You know what I mean? Just and I think I think will be something different than we were 20, 30, 40 years ago. We would be dumber. That's like I remember when Carl Carl Pilkin and Ricky Gervais had a really good uh, podcast about this, where Ricky really genuinely believes because we have so much access to knowledge now, we will we will become dumber. We will just we won't research enough we won't like read up about certain things there won't be subject matter experts anymore because they don't really need to exist because we just have the internet now and you have google you've got wikipedia you don't need it um i do i worry about that as well but i don't know i i think the internet is an incredible tool again our running on team if you use it properly pretty incredible marcy i'm i'm conscious of time but uh thank you so much for doing this it's been such good crack like that was good man i really enjoyed it i'd be i'd definitely be up for um for doing it again and Sweet man. Um, Jonathan Marcy, it's been a pleasure. Peace.